0: Good morning. It's a beautiful day that the Lord has made, and we're so glad that you're here worshiping with us, either here in person in the sanctuary or via live streaming. We'd like to wish all the fathers in the group a very happy Father's Day this morning. This past week, we hosted our very first annual Art Week camp. We had over 50 kids here every day. They experienced cooking and gardening. They got to play the organ with Julia Brown and dance, and it was great fun. Our middle school and high schoolers were our group leaders, and the Priscilla Circle ladies, they provided the snacks every day. So they got to learn how to make dirt cups with gummy worms. It was great fun. We uh, ended the week on Thursday, and many of the kids were disappointed there wasn't a second week. So I say that's a good, that's a good thing. Today during the service, prayer cards will be collected by the ushers during the second hymn, and Jonathan will be up front for prayer if you would like that after the service. Please take a moment to look at your bulletin and go on our website to see all of the things happening here at Mayflower this summer. And now I'd like to invite Dr. Julia Brown to share a moment for music.
1: Today's music follows Steve's sermon, Looking In. Last week it was Looking Up, and this week Looking In at ourselves. So, Make Me a Servant, and uh, How Shall I Serve You, Lord? So looking at ways that we can be um, helpful to others in this world um, and melissa's solo during the offertory consider the lilies of the field is just a reminder that god is with us and cares for us through all times no matter what's going on And I also want to uh, call attention in the bulletin to uh, the invitation for you to come to the concert tomorrow evening, the Mondays at Mayflower, tomorrow at 7. I will be here uh, playing an organ concert with one of my children, Howell Petty, um, soprano in preparation for a concert uh, in Seattle that I'll be playing uh, in early July. And um, so I invite you to come. Some of what you'll hear on the organ today is just a sneak preview of what's coming tomorrow evening. So um, tell your friends, put it on your calendar, and come enjoy one of the finest organs in West Michigan.
2: the psalmist call to worship from Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him and his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his surpassing greatness. Praise him with trumpet sounds. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with clanging cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Holy One, like the woman Jesus met at the well, we long to worship in spirit and truth. Holy One, like Elijah, we long to hear the still small voice. Holy One, You are outside. You are far away. But holy mystery, holy love, you are inside and part of each one of us. We gather to worship. We gather to praise. We gather in love. We gather in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: So it's during this time that we typically do the children's message. And this Sunday is like a lot of typical Sundays in the summer where we have no children. But don't worry, they'll be back in the fall. They were all here this week at art camp. So Mary Vandergoot and I have been meeting this summer to talk about the symbols within the church. And so this piece of the service is now called Did You Know? And so today's symbols are the actual placement of things that we have here at in our sanctuary. So over here is where we host and we place our baptismal font where whether it's a baby or a teenager or someone older in years, this is where we begin our journey of our faith and our relationship with God. And some of you may not realize that outside of these windows on the other side of this wall, we have our columbarium that is placed out there for those who we end our journey here on earth with the Lord. So if you take the columbarium on this side and the baptismal font on this side of our sanctuary, we sit between them as we begin our journey and live it out as christians and as fellow worshipers of the lord until we get to meet christ in heaven so it's amazing how this room is filled with so many symbols and it was so intentional when they built this church and we'll continue to learn those as we go along will you pray with me please lord we thank you for this journey of life We thank you for the journey that begins and ends with you and for everything in between and that we get to do this time together in Jesus name. Amen.
3: Good morning, the scripture reading today comes from Isaiah chapter 6 verses 1 through 8 and can be found beginning on page 487 of your pew Bible again that's Isaiah chapter 6 verses 1 through 8 beginning with verse 1 in the year that King Uzziah died I saw the Lord high and exalted seated on a throne and the train of his robe filled the temple above him were seraphim each with six wings with two wings they covered their faces with two they covered their feet and with two they were flying and they were calling to one another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. This is the word of the Lord.
4: It was the best of times. And it was the worst of times. When Charles Dickens penned those words, he was writing about the French Revolution of the 1790s, 230 years ago. He wasn't writing about the tiny nation of Judah in the year 730 B.C., almost three millennium ago. But he might have been. He wasn't writing about the United States of America in the year 2022, but he might have been. The setting in Jerusalem, in Judah, the king was dead. He had been king for 52 years. Prosperity and peace. Gave way to peril and powerlessness. The Assyrian ruler Tiglath-Pileser, with the most formidable army the world had ever seen, amassed at the border. Now history will tell us that that tiny nation of Judah will survive for 150 years from Isaiah's day. But it will be just 20 years before the northern kingdom, in those days of the divided kingdom, the northern kingdom of Israel with Samaria as its capital will fall to the Assyrians in just 20 years. But at the moment that Isaiah is in the temple and he sees the Lord of hosts high and lifted up, Jerusalem has its unique immigration problem for sure. They're fearing that they will be overrun by this powerful foreign army. Now, there are so many cultural similarities between that day, so long ago, and today. The stress points prominent today were present then. Despair and loneliness and isolation and nation against nation and lack of trust in national leadership. And it makes 730 B.C. look as fresh as today's headlines. So Isaiah, as a young man, he goes to the temple and he has this remarkable experience. And he has three different views. As we looked at last week, he looked up. And he saw the Lord high and lifted up, and His glory just filled the temple. And then, um, and we mentioned, said, affirmed last week, that that is a, a view, a, a vision that we should begin every day with. With that high and lifted up view and understanding of the Lord God, the Creator of all. Every fresh day possible us for us to contemplate the one who is Lord of all time and history. And the experience that Isaiah has causes him to look in. To look into himself and say, wow, I need to change. And that will cause him to look out to the world. To see the need all about him where we'll go next week. But this week, that inward look of Isaiah. But understand, of course, that Isaiah can't, he can't put this temple experience into a bottle and preserve it or pull it out whenever he wants, like a family photo. How do you put the springtime breeze so fresh and renewing into a box and hold it? You can't. How do you hold the flash of a lightning bug in your hand? You can't. You'd think if Isaiah was a 21st century citizen, he'd write a book. How I Met God in the Temple. Or we'd go on that celebrity speaking to her, holding workshops and seminars, how to see the Holy God, three secrets to make it happen in your life, or whatever. But that's not his response. His response to an encounter with the Holy God is to look into himself. He strips off the mask of pretension and pride, and he just throws himself before God. He throws off any mask that says, you know, I'm so special. Wow, I've just had this experience that if you were mature, if you were holy, you know, you'd have it like me. Richard Rohr, a a, a wonderful author, speaker, Catholic Jesuit priest, has written recently that You know, little kids, when we were little, instinctively place a mask over their true self to protect us from the wounds of the real world. We learn early on what is required to please our parents, what's required to fit in with our friends. And he says, you know, this is fine for a child. But as we grow, these masks begin to trap us and from and prevent us from living out our authentic self. We're afraid of sharing our inner light for fear it may be extinguished. We're afraid of sharing our inner darkness for fear that it will be exposed and we will be rejected. So we hide our true identities and in the process, we become separated from our souls. We end up living half-hearted and divided lives. What parts of ourselves are we trying to hide? Frederick Bickner writes, The original simmering self gets buried so deep that most of us, end up hardly living out of it at all. Instead, we live out all the other selves, which we are constantly putting off and taking off like coats and hats against the world's weather. When Isaiah, he will lay himself bare. He doesn't blame others for his condition or the condition of the world. He doesn't ask God to go out and crush the Assyrians. He doesn't say, God, you know, before the next step, I want you to guarantee my significance. My comfort. He is just overwhelmed at the distance between himself and the thrice holy God. And he addresses the reality. Of this great chasm between himself and his creator. That he knows, he recognizes instinctively that it's unbridgeable. That he can't reach up and grab a hold of this God and control him. And what comes out of his mouth is, Woe is me, for I am ruined. Some translations, I am undone. Other translations, I am naked. I am stripped bare of all pretension before this God. I am a man of unclean lips. And around me, there's a bunch of people like me. I dwell amidst the same kind. Of people. True encounters with God always result in humility. If someone has an encounter with God and they're proud of it or they're arrogant about it, I question whether it's an encounter with the true God. For Isaiah, there are no high fives with God. No end zone dances, no thumping of the chest, no flipping of the bat as he begins his home run trot. And that's always the case in scripture. Isaiah seeks, or excuse me, Elijah seeks God. And God takes him to the mountain. And hides him in the cleft of the rock. And he must wait. Elijah waits. And God's not in the fire. God's not in the earthquake. But he is, as Jonathan alluded to in his opening prayer, he is in that still, small voice. The humble voice. Peter is just getting to know Jesus as Luke tells the story in Luke chapter 5 and Peter and his companions have fished all night and caught nothing the futility of their energy and their efforts and Jesus says let's cast out let's go fishing Peter wishes Jesus would stick to his teaching and preaching and let them do the fishing we fished all night we found nothing but if you say so, okay, we'll go. Cast the net on the other side, and there's the great catch of fish. And while others tend to the catch, Peter realizes something that he is in the presence of one like he has never, ever encountered before. And his response isn't to jump up and dance and say, hey, man, let's take this on the road. There's money to be made. He looks at this new friend of his and he says, depart from me. Go away from me, Lord. I can't, I feel I can't even exist in your presence. Go away for I am a sinful man. He strips off the mask. This is who I am, Lord. And Jesus says, Ah, Peter, (laughs) this amazes you. You know, from now on, you're going to be fishing for people, not for fish. John had become an old man. John the disciple, the only surviving disciple by that point in his life. But he's, Put in exile for his faith on the rock island of Patmos in the Aegean off of the shore of Ephesus. And there, one sunny morning, he has a vision that he describes in Revelation chapter 1, a vision of the risen Christ, indescribable, but he tries to describe it. But when he sees this one, you know, again, there's no high fives. He falls on his feet as though dead. And Jesus puts his hand on him. Reaches down to him. And says, stand up. You've got a task to do. You're to write the things that you see. You're to be my my scribe, my messenger to the world. But all of them, utterly humbled, before God. The chasm's so great. And as someone has said wisely, you cannot jump a 20 foot chasm in two 10 foot leaps. Think about that. It doesn't work that way. Isaiah helpless before this infinite chasm. So, two things about this inward look. He recognizes the gap. You're familiar with that old hymn. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Hmm. God has to come. He has to span the gulf. That's the biblical message that He keeps reaching out to us. He keeps coming among us and most especially and powerfully and permanently in the incarnation of Jesus Christ, His Son. He will bridge the gap. He will come to be among us. But Isaiah recognizes the gap. And then, most crucially, he receives the grace. The text says, Angels flew to him from the altar with burning coals that they had taken. Isaiah opens himself up to this encounter, this gift of grace, this allowing God to touch the real Isaiah. Now, you know, I suspect that burning coals are uncomfortable. If somebody were to come at me with burning coals, I think I'd dive for cover. Look at that bulletin cover. Isaiah, will he hide? Or will he receive the burning coals? Isaiah will be cleansed. He's told his guilt is taken away. His sin atoned for. It is God who bridges the gap, who comes to touch His life. You know this story, but let me share it with you again. I think it is so great. Victor Hugo's monumental work, in is Rob. The story of Jean Valjean. Steals a loaf of bread to feed his sister's family. And the result, he spends 19 years in prison in hard labor. When he finally is free, he finds it difficult to escape his past. Anger and and hurt and resentment just dominate his life. But he makes his way to a monastery. Where the Bishop Bonvenu, the Christ figure in the story receives him and gives him a meal and hospitality, a bed to sleep for the night. And Jean Valjean will repay the hostility by getting up in the middle of the night and stealing the silver silverware. He will soon be caught. And the gendarmes drag him back to meet the bishop from whom he has taken these valuable items. The bishop sees him, and then Venu understands instantly what has happened. And he blurts out, ah, there you are. Looking at John Valjean, he says, I am so glad to see you. I'm so glad you have come back. How is it? I gave you the candlesticks, too. They were silver like the rest, and you didn't take them. Like certainly, they would be worth 200 francs. Why didn't you carry them away? With your forks and spoons. And as the gendarmes take it in, they are utterly bewildered and Jean Valjean is speechless and shocked. And the bishop goes on, Oh, my friend, before you go, here are the candlesticks. Take them. And he steps to the chimney piece and takes the two silver candlesticks and brings them to Valjean and puts them in his sack. And Jean Valjean is just trembling. As Hugo says, he's like a man who is ready to faint. How is this happening? This grace beyond grace. And when the gendarmes leave, the bishop says to Jean Valjean, My brother, you no longer belong to evil, but to good. It is your soul that I buy from you, and I give it to God. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin atoned for. And Jean Valjean will go to live in grace and to offer grace to others each day of his life. But here, as the story begins, The offer of grace is not yet part of Jean Valjean's story. He must first plunge in to the difficult work of receiving grace. He must open his life to this claim the bishop has on his soul. What if we held that before us every day? What if we began every day by looking up? Beholding our God. Listening for that still, small voice. And then opening ourselves, stripped naked as it were, opening ourselves to sheer grace. I think it would be life-changing. But remember, from Jean Valjean, he must first, the first thing, plunge into the difficult work of receiving grace, allowing God to sear his soul, as it were. He must allow the burning coals to touch. Uncomfortable? I think so. But I wonder, is there something that God would want to burn out of my life and of yours by His holy touch? Is there a change that needs to be made at the core before we can truly hear His call to serve and to offer grace to others. What will you do with God's offer of grace? Will you reject it? You can. Or will you, will I, like Isaiah, lay ourselves bare before this holy God and allow His burning coals that to touch our soul. Amen.
0: To be a people that give is to be a people that strive after God's heart. Our giving of our finances, time, and love has impact that can sometimes be seen immediately or other times may never be known until we reach heaven. May the desire to give always fill our hearts and lives as the ushers now wait upon us. Lord, we come to this place today to give as people who follow you and who want to know you more. You give us scripture, divine teaching, worshipful worshipful music, and a time set aside for us to give. You don't need anything from us, but you know who will we become if we are people who have giving hearts. May we live our lives sensitive to these moments and make the world around us better each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.
2: Let us continue worshiping in prayer. Let us pray. Holy One, Great One. Immortal, invisible, only wise. You have created our kind so that we can reflect on your creation, not only the creation, but the Creator. We have no words to describe what that creator is. We have no power to see. We look back from a spacecraft in the rings of Saturn and see our system. And there in the picture is a tiny blue dot. As Carl Sagan said, Everything we are, everything that we will be, everything that we have been, is on that blue dot. Every civilization, every dream, every general and rivers of blood, every religion, all on that blue dot. It is home. And we realize that when we look out from that blue dot, we are left speechless. How can we approach your greatness? How can we stand in your holy place? As the angels say, Kadosh, 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 holy holy, holy. We are left in silence. But Lord, in that silence, you strip away our veneer, that false self that we project to others. You strip away our pretensions. You strip away our denial in our ego. And all we're left with is silence. And in that silence, we begin to understand what Jesus said. I am in the Father and the Father is in me. I am in you, and you are in me. And in the silence, in the inner journey, when all the falsehood is gone, we see compassion. We come here this morning with many different ideas from many different places, With many different cares and concern. So we will approach you. With those thoughts. In silence. In the words of the psalmist. Be still. And know that I am God. Be still. And know. That I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. Come, O Lord of compassion, on the inner journey, in the silence, let us hear that still small voice. And let us pray as Jesus taught Our Father who art in heaven.
4: Receive the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ today. Take it into your soul. It flows from the heart and love of God the Father and enables us to be a fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen.